to the Living Your Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hale, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Roswell, New Mexico. I'm your co-host, Sean Lee. We count it as an honor for you to join us today. It's our purpose at Living Your Dash to help you better connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Is it me or does it seem like everything is falling apart? Every time you open the news or check social media, we're reminded of how hopeless our world is. But is it? How can God's word through the prophet Habakkuk show us that no matter how grim things look, God knows how to make hope even brighter? In this week's podcast, Sean fires some questions to Rick about his message on September 13th about finding hope in unsure times. You can find this message by going to roselgrace.com and clicking on the watch tab. Now, let's join Sean and Rick on this week's podcast. All right, so here we are. We are back with the Living Your Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill. Rick, it's good to see you. Now, let me ask you, Sean. Uh, it's good to see you, too. You Thank look you. a year older. Is there something happening today that's ah. kind of special? Fill well, in our guests. Yes, you know what? This is We are so excited. This is happy one-year anniversary. Rick, you've been doing this for a whole year. Happy anniversary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been hey, fun. I've loved it. I thought I would tell everybody just kind of how we've grown. I mean, last year we had nobody listening. This time last year, nobody listening. No uh, no one had, had found out about this quite yet. And uh, Tell me it's changed, please. Oh, it's changed quite a bit. We've had 1,998 plays. Uh, as of today, we have an average audience size. Uh, 40 people who uh, tune in, or well, I guess you don't tune in, but you download uh, every week. The largest week, in fact, we've had 122 plays. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, I already told this before. We have uh, seven different foreign countries. Um, if you're a Android, if you're doing this on a mobile device, 63% of you listen on Apple. Um, this is kind of interesting. It, it actually doesn't surprise me. 57% are women. Uh, because they're more relational, I think. Uh, the largest age group, can you guess? Uh, I would guess my group, baby boomers. Okay. Did I get close? Uh, close, but just, just a little off. The largest group, group is actually the 45 to 59 group. My, my Your age, age group. Yeah. So uh, Gen X and just a little younger. Um, and uh, But the, the second largest group is 30% uh, of our listeners, and they are all over 60. Okay. Hey, so, there's me. I'm 66. There you go. That's well, right. Well, it's great having people like you and people like me <laughs> tuning in. We love it. We do, and we appreciate everybody who listens in, and we hope that uh, you all find it uh, helpful and motivating. Uh, our, our desire is always to help people to connect the dots of discipleship in their life. Speaking of which, you started a brand new series called Finding Hope, uh, and uh, I'm just kind of curious. You chose uh, a, a, a kind of a, an obscure Old Testament book, uh, three chapters long. I'm just kind of curious, what made, motivated you to speak uh, through this book on this series? Yeah, the series is called <clears throat> Finding Hope, and... There was one motive, hopelessness. Hmm. Sean, I, there is so much hopelessness right now in our country and even in the world. Yeah. You know, the, the COVID, of course, obviously so many people have just felt hopeless in this situation. 
And every four years in America, we have elections and people feel hopeless. Oh my gosh, what if the wrong person gets elected to the Senate or the president or the House or the governor or whatever? Generally speaking, half of us are going to be happy. The other half is not. Yeah, and and that very often leads to feelings of just hopelessness, you know, the, the social unrest in our cities. So I just saw there's so much hopelessness. I began to look in Scripture to look for a for a book or a section of scripture where there was a hopeless situation and scripture spoke hope and I landed on Habakkuk and it is so relevant to our our situation and our culture right now hmm. and, and mainly because I, you know the old song of you know looking for love in all the wrong places <laughs> I, I'm seeing people they're looking for hope but in all the wrong places yeah they think they're trying to find hope in a change of circumstance. Mm. And circumstances aren't changing. And I've learned, Sean, the answer is to find, you, you find hope with a change of perspective. Uh-huh. Not a change of circumstances, because there are circumstances very often that we're living through right now. We can't change. Yeah. And so does that mean I give up hope? No. Not if you have a change of perspective. And that's what Habakkuk is helping us discover. Right, and as you said, perspective means not looking at something, but... Looking through. The word perspective, looking through perspective. And it's looking through the immediate circumstance to say, okay, how can I look through this, not look at it? If you look at it, you'll give up hope. Mm -hmm. But if you look through it, then you'll see hope down the way, and you'll see, okay, how can God, how is God working through this circumstance. So looking at the Old Testament, um, and this book, I think in particular, uh, at least the first chapter, there's this popular summation that kind of goes like this. The Old Testament is negative and angry and harsh, but oh, not the New Testament. That's soft and merciful and positive. Is that true? Not at all. Not (laughs) at all. And that that simply tells me, I mean, nothing personal, Right. but you've never read the Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, go read the Old Testament. It is a love letter of God to his people yes. and really to, to the world. Um, of all the places people would think, well, the law, the law of Moses, you know, revealed in Deuteronomy would be the harshest, angriest book. Go read Deuteronomy. It's a book of love. The yeah. theme of love, God's love for his people in spite of them yes. all the way through. So, no, it's, there is one God, and he is a God of love. And uh, the Bible, Old and New Testament, is a message of God lovingly reaching out to save his sinful, rebellious children. Yeah, I think of the, the book of Psalms where he says, Give thanks to the Lord for his good. His love endures forever. Uh, or even even during during my own chemotherapy, something that came up again and again and again was was Deuteronomy 31 8 about God saying I am with you I will never leave you or forsake you and uh, that was powerful so you you mentioned uh, that Habakkuk sighed in complaint Uh, what do you think are his motive what's his motivation behind honestly I think he's second-guessing God he's picking apart God's choices absolutely Uh, you know in the first chapter he really he has two complaints. Number one, you know, God, why are, have you waited so long to punish Israel? Uh-huh. They've been 
sinful, rebellious. They're, they just worship idols all the time. You sent prophets to warn them. God, you should have done this yesterday. <laughs> and that was complaint number one. Then when God says, well, I'm going to punish them. I'm going to raise up the Babylonians. And then Habakkuk loses it. What do you mean? Yeah. How can you possibly raise up an, an even more wicked nation, Babylon, to punish a more righteous nation, Israel? God, that, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And those were his two complaints. But when you cut through both complaints, what do you come to? God, you're not doing it the way I told you. Mm. Does that sound like... Let's say, let's not say you and me. Let's say other people. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It sounds like everybody else except you and me. Isn't that oh. isn't that the core problem with humanity? Yeah. Of God, you you're not doing it my way. I want to be in control. And Habakkuk was falling back into the the most primitive part of the sinful nature of God. I want to be God. I want to call the shots. I want to be in control. Yeah, and it's really it's it's the reverting back to our childhood. I don't want to eat my green beans. Yeah, I want to eat ice cream for dinner. That's right. Every day, <laughs> I want to go to bed when I want to go to bed. Yeah. Well, you know that's childish, and we we look at children and we say, well, you don't know what's good for you. Yeah. And yet we as adults will turn to God and say, hey, you don't know what's good for me, God. I'm in. I want to be in control. It's always a control issue. Yeah, I, you know, as I was as I read through Habakkuk, I, I I just thought, you know, he's not a prophet that's saying, you know, have mercy, have mercy. You know, you're you're, you're sending your people all to the farthest farthest reaches of uh, of either the Assyrian Empire or the Babylonian Empire, or the Mede Empire. But he's actually he comes up to me as very angry. And why is it that at least I can only think about myself at this point. Why is it that anger seems to be that default emotion for when things get out of control? When I don't get to call the shots, I get mad. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's underneath it all. And Habakkuk here is, he, he's really in one way, he's on God's side. Yeah. And he said, okay, God, I'm on your team. But I'm really disappointed with the way you're calling the plays here. You know, I'm on your team, wow. but I want to call a pass, and you're wanting to run up the middle. Yeah. And it, it, but again, we cannot throw rocks at Habakkuk because really we're looking in a mirror. Well, that's true. He he is revealing in the way he is responding to God, the way we respond to God. We anytime we don't like the way God does it, we complain, and when we complain. We're accusing God of doing it wrong. Yeah. You know, I, I, I make, I just thought about this. I make five turns to get to work. Five turns. And uh, I, I can think of, of uh, too many times where I'm behind somebody slow uh, or in a truck that's overladen. And, uh, and I'm just thinking, you know, what, what is this idiot doing in front of me? And uh, I just, this is staring me back at the face. I'm thinking, what is... What is wrong with me? Why? Why is it that I always keep thinking, God, you're not doing this right? <laughs> well, you, it's because you can't control the driver in front of you. Yeah. Anytime we can't control, the default is anger. Yeah. So you said this, um, and I want your opinion on this. And so, or explanation. You said hope is not found in complaining uh, because it doesn't fix the problem. 
Well, why not? I mean, doesn't it at least address the problem? Well, there's a difference between addressing it and fixing it. And complaining is simply complaining about it. It's saying, okay, here's a problem, and I don't like this problem, and I'm going to complain about it to all my friends and anybody who'll listen, and I'm going to get on social media, and I'm going to tell the world how I feel. And so at the end of the day, you've told the world how you feel. question is, have you fixed it? Mm-hmm. Have you fixed the problem? You know, we, we were talking earlier about an example would be, let's say you uh, went to the optometrist yeah. and you got a new pair of glasses, you put them on and they didn't fit. Right. They didn't work. So you can do one of two things. You can complain. That is, you can uh, go around to all your neighbors and friends and say, what a jerk this guy is. Mm-hmm. Look at these stupid glasses and don't ever go to this guy. Well, that's complaining. Yeah. Or you can go back to the optometrist and say, hey, listen, uh, these aren't working for me. Let's go uh, plan B. Let's see if we can fix the problem. Yeah. Do you see the difference between complaining and fixing? Yeah, yeah. I I think that, that part of the problem is that, and, and I don't know where, where it all began, Rick, but it seems like, I mean, you mentioned uh, Facebook or social media. Um, like restaurants, there there are these directories uh, for all different types of restaurants. I'm thinking of Yelp, for mm. for instance. I hope I don't get in trouble for mentioning that. But but people um, they will sometimes they don't like the service or they don't like the food. They will take pictures and they will write you know these long 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 things about why they hate this restaurant, why no one should ever go there. I say this because I've done that before. Mm. <laughs> You know, and I thought, and I'm just, I just feel so bad now because I think, I, I'm, I'm just doing whatever the society is doing. I'm, I'm just doing, I'm doing exactly what social media wants me to do, and that is nothing travels like bad news. Right. And it's not helping anything. Why not instead go to the owner of the restaurant? Yeah. And say, hey, listen, I was excited about coming to your restaurant, but to be honest with you, I got subpar food here. Or the service was wrong. I guarantee you 99% of the the restaurant owners will appreciate that. I have a good friend who owns a restaurant. And he has to monitor all day the social media on his restaurant. Because if he gets one bad complaint, he knows it can be devastating that evening. People will look and they won't come to the restaurant. So, you know what he He says, the minute he gets a bad complaint, he immediately contacts that person and says, hey, I'm sorry, tell me what we did wrong. Yeah. And he is more than willing to address the problem, but wouldn't it have been better if the person had simply just contacted him? Yeah. There's the difference between complaining about a problem and fixing a problem. I think that, that that's, again, I, I'm, I'm confessing my sins here. It, it occurred to me that my, my issue with this particular restaurant was not that I wanted to tell them, and and it was in a wrong way. You know, it's it's gossiping. It's yeah. really what it is. Yeah. So I'm hoping that. What am I really hoping for? I don't. I don't think I'm really hoping that they'll change anything. I think I just want them to suffer. Right. And I uh, I feel uh, and I'm I'm, I'm kind of wondering. You know, it, it, as as Habakkuk is trying to is is he really concerned? about the righteousness of God? Is he really concerned about repentance for his people? Or is he just really 
really, really mad that, you know what, my ancestors, it's their fault I'm in this position. He wants Israel to suffer. <laughs> God, they, they've, they've broken your law for centuries now. You should have punished them a long time ago. Yeah. And it makes me mad that they've gotten away with it. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. Yeah, but, we want people to suffer. We don't want to fix the problem. We just want to complain so that others will suffer. But when Babylon is introduced, it's oh. like, whoa, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, don't, don't make don't do it that way. God. I like this fix. Okay, yeah. um, you know, uh, you said that, uh, um, uh, or, or what is it, what is the danger of assuming that we know better? He he he. Habakkuk felt like he knew better than God. What's the danger uh, of settling into that? Yeah, you just said it. We play God. The minute mm. the minute we say, God, I've got a better plan. I've got a better way. You need to listen to me. What we are ultimately saying there is. I'm a better God than God. Ooh, I'm really. I'm a. I'm, I would really do a much better job if I were in charge of the universe, or at mm. least my universe. Yeah. And there's there's the problem. I mean, that's uh, that's the danger. And the minute we step in and say, "I'll take the throne," God, you step off. We're in danger. That's a. It's a short trip, isn't it? I mean, the the idolatry of self. Uh, whenever we decide, I, I think I know better than God. When you go back to the Garden of Eden, remember what was what? How would you describe Satan's ultimate temptation to Eve? You know, when God says, eat "Any any of the trees, don't eat of the one in the middle." How did Satan come after her? Yeah. Think about it. Yeah, he it said, was, um, he, he said, God doesn't want you to know. He'll if you take this and eat it, you'll. Right? Am You'll be like way? God. Yeah. You'll be like God. Oh. So what was the ultimate temptation? It really wasn't fruit. It was, here's your chance, Eve. You get to be God. You get to you get to call the shots. You don't have to listen. You don't have to obey. You don't have to submit. You can be God. Wow. Okay. Huh. Now, Rick, you asked, along this line, you asked a rhetorical question do you really want to worship a God made in your image? <laughs> you know, on the one hand, I'm thinking, well, maybe that's not such a bad idea. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, oh, no, that, that would be hell. I don't want that. Yeah. But yet I really kind of do want that. Care yeah. to comment on that? Yeah, once again, on the, on the immature, mature scale, when you're an immature human being, you say, that's not a bad idea. Hey, I can call my own shots. But the mature response says, do I really want to worship a God created in my own image? Mm. Sean, I don't. I, I want to worship a God that is majestic, that is, that is uh, beyond my understanding. That's what makes God God, that he created the universe. He knows more than me. Yeah. And anytime I try to run my life, I, I end up making a train wreck. Yeah. I want to worship a God who can, who can help me. Yeah. Who can help me navigate life and make make uh, make meaning of things, make, uh, make meaning of the universe, and give my life meaning and purpose and direction? Right. So I want to worship a God, and I think most people in their more sane moments <laughs> they want to worship a God beyond themselves. Yeah. You know, I <clears throat> so we didn't discuss this earlier, but one of my favorite movies, even though it's it's horrible theology. Okay, I, I just admit that right away, but it's. To me, there's just too many funny parts. Is this movie called Bruce Almighty? Do you remember that with Jim oh, yeah. Carrey? Yeah. And uh, and and it shows a man what happens if God gives him unlimited power. 
what it, what happens with what he does with it. And he messes everything up. The world yeah. becomes horrible. It becomes a horrible place. Um, uh, and I love the part when he finally says, I can't do this. He's walking in the rain. And he says, I... And I thought, this is where the movie... the the only place where it got it right. Yeah. And he's making the statement, crying, you know, I surrender to your will. <laughs> yeah. We make a horrible God. Yeah, yeah. Let God be God. Yeah. Well, thinking about the series title and the complaints of Habakkuk, I, I, I wondered, is complaint kind of the opposite of hope? Yes, it, it really is. The more I thought about it, it, yeah, complaining is the opposite of hope. If if your initial complaining doesn't ultimately lead you to trust, if you get stuck in that initial stage of complaining, then it really is the opposite. I, I use the illustration Sunday of the seesaw. Mm-hmm. On one end of the seesaw is hope, on the other end is complaining. Yeah, Like a seesaw, when one goes up, the other goes down. I know in my life, Sean, when I, when I complain, as my complaining goes up, my hope goes down. Yeah. I, I just complain, 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 and I lose all hope of the future. But when I turn things over to God and I say, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to put my hope in him as my hope goes up, I find myself complaining less. I believe they are opposites. Yeah. I, when I think about biblical hope, um, the Bible says, you know, who hopes for what he already has? Uh, and that hope is really dependent on, well, I want... I really want, biblical hope says, I really want what God wants to give me. Yeah. And then I think I, I made this this uh, this observation a couple weeks ago. Um, C.S. Lewis was quoting George MacDonald when he said that God gives gives us the love that he has, not the love that he doesn't, or or the blessing that he has, or the gifts that he has, not what he or the happiness. That's actually yeah. that quote. The happiness that he has not, the happiness that he doesn't. And when I am wanting a happiness that is not of God, well, what is that? Well, it, it's certainly not from God, um, and uh, and it will never have real fruit. It will never have real peace. And uh, I, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, who wants that? That's not a hope anymore, is it? It's something else. No, bi- biblical hope is not wishful thinking. Biblical hope, I learned years ago, is confident expectation. Hmm. Biblical hope says, I am confident. I'm confident that God has this, that God is in control. Mm-hmm. And I can expect, I can expect with 100% assurance that, that the good that God wants in my life will come to pass in his own way, in his own time. Yeah. But I can be confident and I can expect it at the same time. Now, when you say in you, his own way, in his own time, that's not a cop-out, is it? Absolutely I mean, not. Yeah. No, that's trust. That is biblical trust. It's saying, I don't understand it, but I'm not God, so I'm not big enough. I don't have enough knowledge and wisdom to understand all of his ways, yeah. but I can still trust him. And he's proven himself trustworthy in the past, so I can trust him. Yes, yes. I mean, just the cross alone Absolutely. tells us we can... We can trust him. You can trust him. <laughs> if, he, if you can trust God with your eternal salvation, you can trust him with what happens this side of eternity. Yeah, that's right. Last question is this. Habakkuk's complaining reminded me of actually something else. Um, 
in, out of Philippians 2, 14 through 15, where, where Paul says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Um, is it wrong to complain? I mean, how does this tie into God's intention for us to be shining like stars in the universe? If you believe what that scripture just said, it is wrong to complain. Because yeah. he says in an imperative, do everything without complaining. Yeah. That's a command. That's a command. It may not be an easy command. We may not be able to bat a thousand. But what a goal. What a goal to wake up every day and say, you know, whatever happens today, rather than complaining about it, I'm going to trust God. Sean, I'm convinced that, and, and Paul really identifies it, I believe, in this passage this is one of the primary ways Christians can be different from unbelievers. Hmm. That the rest of the world, uh, they don't shine like a star in the universe. How can we, think about the universe, pitch black and yet stars. Yeah. What makes a star different than the universe? It shines. How do Christians distinguish themselves from from uh, people who aren't believers. Yeah. Is it, well, we go to church on Sunday, or, well, we call ourselves a Christian, or, well, we own a Bible. Isn't it interesting? Paul said, here's the way you're going to distinguish yourself from a crooked and depraved generation. You're going to shine like a star by not complaining and arguing. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? One yeah. of the primary ways we witness to a lost world is while the rest of the world is hopelessly complaining, we are hopefully trusting. Yeah. What a contrast. Yeah. There's the contrast the world right now. In, in the middle of COVID, in the middle of social unrest, in the middle of election season, that while everybody else is losing hope and complaining about everything, we are deciding in everything I will not complain or argue. Yeah. What a yeah. contrast. Yeah, instead I, I'm and I think this coincides with our, our calling as as disciple makers, as as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. God expects us to be very different and boy suddenly it's uh, everything that I see on social media or everything that I, I post or when I feel like, you know, I want to rant about this, or I want to complain about masks, or I want to complain about people who complain about masks, or things like that. Suddenly, it, I need to take, from what I'm hearing you say, and what I'm reading in the scriptures, that I need to be careful about my words. Um, God uh, expects me, as I'm reading this, right? So he Absolutely. expects me to be blameless and pure, um, to, to, to show that I'm his child, uh, that I'm different, uh, I, I used to be part of the crooked and depraved generation. No more. No more. Yeah. You've got to be different. And I'm, I'm convinced, Sean, this is the great, right now, the attraction. Uh, as we live with hope, our message of hope will attract people to the good news of Jesus Christ. Mm. So Christians, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, show hope. Display hope. Be that shining star of hope in a very dark, crooked, depraved generation. 
Wow. Rick, powerful, I, powerful sermon, and uh, I can't wait to hear you. Yeah, two more weeks, is that right? And Absolutely, yeah. What's, what's happening this week? Can you give us a little tidbit? Well, uh, you know, week number one is all about complaining. This week is all about waiting. Oh. You know, what, one of our favorite things to do in life is to wait. <laughs> I just love waiting. So we're going to, we're going to learn <laughs> the value and the virtue this week of weight. Wow. And you're going to see it and when you it's not me it's not me it's this is God. Right. God says wait and see. Wow. Wait and see. We're going to learn how to wait and see this week. All right. Anything else happening around here, Grace? Hey, well, hey, we're excited because this Sunday is National Back to Church Sunday and we at Grace are going to join that national movement. Now, Sean, you're coordinating a lot of yeah. it. Like, what's going to happen? Just give us a little, little uh, picture. I tell you, I, we're, I am so excited. I mean, part of this is because, uh, for me, I mean, everybody had a social distance dur- during the month of March and April. We totally missed celebrating Easter together, and I just hated that. And uh, and I was so glad when things began to finally flatten the curve, finally flatten out, and it was safe enough, safe enough for us to really... Uh, begin to kind of venture out. Even our own governor has said that you all can uh, worship, go to your worship experiences at 40% capacity, and uh, we're not in that yet. Um, but we, we want to just celebrate. I mean, I know, it's, I know it's a little too soon to say, hey, we won, but on the other hand, it's like, well, honestly, um, it only hit 2% of our, of our population in the United States. And as bad as it is, I mean, people died and people suffered, and, and that I grieve that, I mourn that, and there are people's lives that have changed forever, but really only 2% of those people actually perished. And so I think we have a lot to give thanks for, and I think we should celebrate. We should celebrate with, and we're going to have games out there. I'm encouraging people, bring your yard games. We'll still social distance. I mean, if you if you have a concern, please wear that mask. Don't, don't. Don't be, don't be silly about it. Um, all our food that we're going to have, we're going to have hamburgers and hot dogs. And yeah, big thanks to Farmers Country Market for stepping up and donating, and we appreciate oh, them for yeah. helping us out so we can. Uh, it, you know, it'll be safe food, safe distancing, yeah. and people can just uh, social distance to their heart's content. Yeah, uh, but we do at the same time want to celebrate. And give thanks to God for what he's done. Amen. His love endures forever. So, okay. Well, Rick, thank you so much. Anything else? Well, hey, you know, I just want to mention people around town are going to see these yellow yard signs Mm -hmm. with one word. Me. Me. It's the me campaign. I know it sounds a little crazy. It's starting October 11th. If you want to know the details, you got to go to our webpage, roswellgrace.com. Click on the yellow me tab. And you'll learn what me is all about. It's true. All right. Rick, thanks so much for spending time with us. Thanks again for being with us today. We hope that you have been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments at info at roswellgrace.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode. And do us a favor by sharing this podcast on your favorite social media platform. For more information about Grace Community Church, visit us online at roswellgrace.com. Until next time, may the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus be with you.